0: Hello, guys. Oh, my
1: gosh. Wow. An
2: Oppenheimer That's mode.
0: Beautiful. Let's do this. Let's do this. I don't even oh know gosh. what to
2: say. I don't yeah. Know how you did the black and white.
0: Wow. Oh, it's a filter, baby. It's a filter. Oh, excuse me. It is a filter. I have used it before. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, I thought, you know, i get in the spirit a little bit. Unfortunately, I don't have a cool fedora, nor do I
1: have a pipe. Or I, uh, an I, atomic bomb. I'm going to use a spoon. We need Andrew here for the fedora fashion. He was always king of the fedoras
0: anyway uh <laughs> i will let you know this bit has a shelf life because it is hot in oklahoma oh, yeah. right now
2: true that you wearing that full suit for oh, the yeah for the for the podcast dedication. listeners oh, the like I said, you're saying
1: back to the future man that's all i'm <laughs> that's what i'm talking
2: about I i'm wearing a that. bucky's shirt
0: Bucky's. Bucky,
1: there you go i was in texas everybody
2: loves not long ago
0: didn't have it couldn't make, didn't make time for bucky's unfortunately
2: uh, it's good pretty good
0: It's a grocery store as... what is it Uh
2: eh, you know it's technically like a gas station convenience mm-hmm. store but it's big mm-hmm. enough
0: that's where the gas station is headed you know it's headed towards being a restaurant that happens to have gas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i get that
0: Gotta be honest i'm like kind of liking this black and white filter i feel uh very you're cool
2: looking good man you're
1: looking very uh i don't know snazzy
2: yeah
1: um i wasn't here for our no, v episode you missed can Barbie. i give a quick uh review of you... my take yes, on yes. farbenheimer is that okay? you have
0: you have some defending to do at this house apparently my oh, wife, oh not do i happy. she saw
1: your rating not happy with it well you know it's it went up a little bit so i i, I will talk about it because oh go uh, ahead the first there time we... that i watched it the first time that i watched it loved it Agree with everything. Great movie, so mm-hmm. funny. Had a blast, but I walked out. Unfortunately, the way that I am, and I own it, uh, a bit cynical, and I Ooh, and I struggled to get over some of the cynicism that I felt in the in the watching of the movie because mm-hmm. my issue, what didn't come with the movie itself, but the reality that we live in, right? So <clears throat> all of the critiques uh, that were there of everything were spot on. I agree with it. Uh, But in the end, I also walked out going, Mattel knew what they were doing. They're going to boost their sales. They're not going to change anything. They're not really going to do anything. And so in the end, (laughs) did this movie do anything? It critiqued it well, not critiquing the movie. It's more just the reality that we live in. And so that cynicism was there. I went and saw it the second time, and there was no cynicism there. Great, hilarious, fantastic. But that first time, it really kind of sullied the watching just because of that Cynical aspect. And that's on me. I have no issues with that. But that was my first take. Uh, upon, obviously, second viewing, without the cynicism, movie still was fantastic. Everybody mm-hmm. was great. Everybody delivered 100%, even more. And uh, every time somebody was on there, they stole the show even, even more than the next person. So it was just like a whole bunch of people having fun. And, I, and it showed. And I appreciate that. So I really approve of said barbie. So while the rating may reflect some cynicism yeah. it doesn't necessarily uh hamper my enjoyment of the movie in fact Good. it has vaulted uh to the third my, my third most favorite movie of the year well there you go now
0: it has it's uh is it still three and a half or is it a four now it's a four well all right i think that'll i think that'll fly better over here <laughs> nikki saw the three and a half she goes he has some explaining to do <laughs>
2: <laughs> well we'll have you'll have to fill us in on it if and there better have been a fire explanation, alarm off in the yeah. middle of the movie if his explanation was was kosher, you'll let us know. All right, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so there so now you have all three of our Barbie opinions. Um we're gonna talk about Oppenheimer this week. Mm-hmm. We wanna just get into it? Yeah, yeah, let's just talk about Oppenheimer. Let's I mean, we did
1: part one last week, y'all did a great job. I'll, and then let's just keep it going. People want yeah, the, people want the cut, the Barbenheimer.
2: They I do. Remember, yeah. Oppenheimer. Brand new Chris Nolan movie, immediately an event. Anything he does is is still an event because he is a director of that magnitude. This movie tells the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atomic bomb during the World War II, according to the letterboxed synopsis. Uh, this movie is a who's who of Hollywood in a lot of ways, with a cast led by Killian uh, Murphy as Robert Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. Let's get into it. Yes. Uh, uh, Gary, actually, you are the freshest watch. Yep. So you tell us your thoughts first. Man, you
1: know, again, you can tell when a Christopher Nolan movie is happening. You can't. <laughs> it's just his style, his look. Everything is so dark but crisp, you know? It's beautiful.
2: to Christopher Nolan. Christopher
1: Nolan. I like that. There you go. There you go. And, and man, it is really a performance-driven movie. Everyone is really uh, just, I mean, absolutely, they become who they are supposed to be. The problem that I had is I don't necessarily know who everybody's supposed to be in real life. This is not a period of time in history that I am super well-versed in. And so I don't know a lot of the scientists that people were like, oh, look at that scientist. I'm like, okay. Is Bill Nye there? That's kind of my level of, like, who is famous in science. And I don't think he was there. So, you know, you had Einstein, you had Oppenheimer, and then I didn't really know anybody else. And so if you're really into that, I feel like, you know, that's where you can really appreciate it. Because Nolan, he gives you everything that he has. I mean, he goes in full, deep, learns, and then he gives it to you. That's why this movie's three hours long. But even if I don't necessarily fully understand all of it, the story that he's telling and the way that he's telling the story, it it just captures you you feel like you're a part of the world and even though it is three hours long it felt like it went by really fast i mean it was a long movie um i had to get up and go to the bathroom and that doesn't usually happen to me uh so i, I can usually hold it but i could not make it this particular movie uh hit my key endorsement to run p right here uh use that Sab tucker. uh but it was a great movie great experience i think that visually it was so good performance wise everyone it was a and that it was just a really encapsulating kind of a film. What you would expect from Christopher Nolan. So I think it was great. I don't think it was his best. I mean, I-, I think that I like other movies better that mm-hmm. he's done. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's his best. I know people have called it his masterpiece. And I think altogether I get that. But for me, I think there are some other movies that I enjoy more.
2: Very right. good.
0: Very good. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate all that. That's very good.
2: You go next, David. You're in character.
0: All right. Um, <laughs> Yes, I I, uh, I watched this movie. <laughs> I Watched this movie uh, uh, at ten thirty in the morning. I watched this Whoa. movie about uh, about uh, an hour and a half. Well, I think the amount of time was like actually two hours between this and when I watched Barbie. Uh, it was the right move to make. I think the Oppenheimer first. Um, and uh, in a rare instance for me and my wife, we usually get there pretty early, like for movies, because I'm very old fashioned. I like to get the movie too early um and we <laughs> gotta go through we, the line
2: and watch the trailers watch you the gotta trailers. do trivia with maria menounos I, you know,
0: it was i gotta do the whole thing you know i gotta i gotta um i got to watch nicole kidman walk in that theater again so um i have to find out if this is the truest black i've ever Crazy seen me. on the theater um but this time we were running late mega late and uh we were walking in the theater as nicole kidman started watching creed and i was very very nervous as we were getting i sat down um the universal logo starts up and i go is this a trailer and then the sin copy logo came up and i went oh no this is the movie like we have literally walked in as the movie. no started. prep time like i as i sat down in my seat the universal logo starts playing so i was uh quite rushed down normally you know uh, Garrett, you talked about the linkedin me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pre-peer. I usually go to the bathroom before, so I try to get that out of the way. I've yet to go to the bathroom during a movie since I was probably like 14. Um, although that's not entirely true. Um, I went and saw Doctor Strange twice and the second time I went to the bathroom. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, who cares? Um, this is the dumbest thing I'll say, and I think it's because I walked in right as the movie started. I did not feel the link that much. There was a, a moment where I started to And then this like new thread got kicked in to the movie and I went, oh, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden I forgot about the feeling of it being too long. In retrospect and thinking back to it, I can think of moments that maybe probably could have like not really used. But anyway, this was a powerful movie in a lot of ways. I'm not gonna try to, um, you know, overhype it too much. It was very, very strong in a lot of the things that Nolan has excelled at over his career. Um, I think that for the first time, in a long time, uh, for me, the performances actually were the standout thing because I thought the Killian Murphy, I thought that Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, uh, Robert Downey Jr., I thought they were all fantastic. I thought they were all really good, especially, especially Jr., uh, especially Downey and, and Killian. They just I think they just embodied those guys just so well. Um, and, you know, and there were a lot of other, uh, you know, um, I thought that uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name. But uh, uh, he was Han Solo, Aldrich, uh, Aldrich something. Uh, but he was also very good. Oh, forget that. But I'm blanking on the name now. Anyway, the performances are very good, and you know it takes a little bit with every Nolan movie to kind of get into the get to the rhythm of what his editing is going to be. But I felt like by the time I got settled, I was in, I was there for it, and I was into it. Obviously, the editing take you know like it's very back and forth. You're Back in 1941, then all of a sudden you're in 1945, then you'd be in 1943, you'd be like six months later than the last time you were in this sequence. They kept going back to these two separate things, this congressional hearing and the security board hearing that took place at different events and different points in time as well. So it was kind of, it was kind of a lot to take in, but it was, I was, I was always interested. I was always there for it. The only knock I'll give it is that this is the thing with some Nolan movies is that it's very for it to me. It was very emotionally detached. Like I couldn't emotionally. I wasn't sure who I was supposed to really be resonating with, if anybody. It felt kind of dispassionate in that way. And if that's the goal, then the goal was achieved. But um, movies like Dunkirk uh, by Nolan have had that problem for me. Movies like um, uh, movies like uh, obviously like The Dark Knight Rises, you know, and stuff. But it, it's a situation where. Sometimes Nolan that works and sometimes it doesn't. I really wish that there had been somebody to connect more with, whether that was Oppenheimer's wife, whether that was, I don't know. More so it just felt like I was, I was giving a glimpse of what Oppenheimer felt, but not really seeing it reflected on him that much. He just seems he just seems stressed for a lot of the movie. Um anyway, it was a very good movie. Obviously, there's a lot of different conversations that have come out of it about oppenheimer himself about the uh the use of the atomic bomb of the uh you know what were the intentions what did they think was going to happen all that kind of stuff and and we can get into that here in just a minute if you like but uh yeah i really enjoyed it i agree with you garrett it's not going to be my new favorite i think it's an incredibly well-made film um but i i think i think it's i i would be set feel comfortable putting it in my top five for sure anyway that's that that's that's my boilerplate to start off with, Josh. What did you think?
2: All right, a uh, lot lot to pick apart in these great uh, great movie. I love the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out first and strongly disagree with David on needing uh, or wanting a character to emotionally resonate to, and that is because uh, I believe everyone in this movie is a bad person. And so uh, I, I'm not even joking. They're all are yeah. for the death of 200,000 people. I don't think the intention was for you to feel for anyone, especially mm, yeah. Oppenheimer. You're supposed to see his perspective and all that and kind of mm. see the weight of it. But I think Nolan kind of ge- er, steers himself towards stories like that anyway. Mm. Uh, but I would have been... Honestly, I would have been disturbed if I walked out of this rooting for Oppenheimer. <laughs> maybe I mean,
0: I don't mean necessarily mean Oppenheimer. I don't
2: necessarily
0: mean that I have to love someone. I mean that like I didn't I guess what I'm saying is like I didn't feel like any emotional reaction to him. He felt like the whole thing felt so cold and so like pulled back that like I didn't hate him necessarily any more than I did when I walked in or I didn't love anybody or I didn't pity anybody any more than when I walked in really. Right, does that, does that I, sense?
2: I, it does, and i I think that might I think that might be by design because of how much of a controversial figure Oppenheimer is. Um, he's he's like hard. He's a, he's such a controversial figure. It's hard to say whether he should be hated or you know admired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I echo a lot of the things you guys said about the cast. Great cast. I thought that a lot of them really disappeared into their roles in ways that I thought was kind of impressive because it's almost exclusively A-list actors. I feel like, and mm-hmm. there are uh, two who I did not know was them until the credits rolled, and it was Josh Hartnett and oh, yeah. Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah, uh, that
0: was a, that was an incredibly cool short short role.
2: Garrett, Did you know who Gary was? He Oppenheim Truman was? was he Truman? It I was had Truman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I saw I was, your reaction. I mean, I had to. I had to roll, go through the rolodex of like yeah. who
1: could he have possibly been? Oh no, yeah. I had no idea that was him. And then who was he Hartnett? Either. Because I felt like this whole movie, I was like, is that Josh Hartnett? But I I don't Josh really Hartnett really was know. the
0: Josh Hartnett was the kind of more conservative uh, professor that worked okay. with Oppenheimer, and they That's kind of he
2: had kind of the That's short blondeish Josh. hair. But yep, they ended up, but they worked together
0: through the thing, I guess.
2: Yeah, I didn't even recognize them until the credits rolled, so good for them on that. Uh, and then, you know, there's... I had to laugh at this because there's a part... There's really two parts where Rami Malik pops up, and it's mm-hmm. so small, and he speaks mm-hmm. no words. And I was like, this man ain't going to be in this movie and not speak any words. Right. So naturally, he has a big part in the end, and I, that's the only part where I was like, okay, I could see through the the celebrity a little bit right (laughs) i knew he was
0: gonna speak yeah he's gonna Um, say something at some point
2: oh and then how have we not mentioned david Crumholtz yet
0: david santa's best that was that was the one i thought you were gonna mention i had forgotten i had forgotten about goldman as truman but yeah i thought you were gonna say david Crumholtz because yeah he's the one i don't know if this was like mostly makeup or if he just put on a lot of weight for the role
2: but i mean
0: also just i
2: I think he just kind of looks like that now to be honest with you um which is, well, I don't know. He's old now. Um, David,
1: you should look for a clip where he uh, portrays a wrestler in WWE. I think he pretends to be a Sheamus during a skit. So yep. he does. Interesting. He, he does. I, yep. I, I had a moment when I was watching it and it was a sad moment. <laughs> you were like, you
2: were, there's your, you were like,
1: fight
0: night.
2: Yeah, there's your wrestling <laughs> connection. Uh, Story wise, I thought it was cool because when you really break it down, The like majority of the lead up of this real life story. Isn't that interesting? It's a lot of science and a lot of, you know, computer work and math and stuff. And the way it's told in that non-linear way that Nolan is also known for helped Mm -hmm. that. I think, um, and I gotta say, I think I caught, I think I got, I felt like I was understanding the non-linear earlier than I usually do in his movies. Yeah. (laughs) I was able to catch on quicker. Um, even though it still happened, it wasn't tenant level confusing, you know?
0: Right. Right. Well, that one's like intentionally messing with you. Yeah.
1: I felt like it took a while to get into the swing of things, but once you figured out the pattern, it really helped. Right. Right. Then it really flowed well.
2: Yes. The pattern, the black and white scenes versus the color scenes, the way that he would almost interstitch scenes together with the bomb or, or whatever you would call Those extreme close-ups of you know flame stuff and particles, yeah, and the Earth's atmosphere Mm -hmm. going into flames. That stuff was cool. What do you guys think about story? Knowing that this is a story that like people don't really know. Like everybody knows about the atomic bomb, right? But I don't think a lot of people know about why it happened, why and how it happened.
1: Right, Uh, Garrett. You know, I think it was super interesting to some extent. You know, again, I think that for me, really, the nonlinear stuff that you mentioned, Josh, really helped with the story because it was kind of, you know, knowing the whole piece. Um, They didn't have to focus too much on the science stuff. They didn't have to focus on, like, too many of the details. You just kind of had to get a sense and an understanding that this big, giant thing is mm-hmm. bad. And, you know, you had to understand that there was issues and, and new scientific revelations that people didn't understand. And so they conveyed that. Well, you know, a lot of times, again, Nolan can confuse you, go back to to Tennant. And that is a place where, where people really either loved it or really were like, I don't understand any of what just happened. Right. Um, and I think that he could have got too bogged down into certain things. And so I think that focusing on the aftermath And kind of the lives of everyone involved kind of really was an interesting way to tell that story rather than get too bogged down with some of the scientific stuff. Um, And I really appreciated that. Um, Again, I think that I kind of looked at it. uh, I I don't necessarily know a lot of this uh, piece of history. So, and, And walking away, I don't necessarily think that I know anything more or less. I think that it was a story that um, I, I, it makes me kind of want to go rewatch that documentary. I tried to watch – Josh, you had mentioned a documentary um, that is on Peacock that kind of talks about Oppenheimer in that background. And I think that this is kind of my interest in that. Uh, it, it gets me interested and I want to know – like more of the actual detail, you know, storytelling in this regard is, is really fascinating and interesting and gets me interested to where I want to know more of the actual history. And I think that's the success itself. So I think that's where I'm at is I would rather go watch a documentary now, learn more about the actual story and then see how this tells that in a, in a more
2: uh, factual way. That's how I felt. mm. So uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just, Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think that,
0: Well, you know, adapting this biography, American Prometheus, right, gives you sort of this great foundation um, to work with. And, uh, you know, it tells his whole, you know, not his whole life, but kind of picks up when he's in college or in university and picks up from there and then slowly moves into uh, the era of World War II. I I love the idea of, you know, if you're going to tell two stories, which Nolan has done many times, I think of the prestige all the time when I think about telling uh, two stories at the same, more or less at the same time. And um, for, you know, the the events as as Oppenheimer, the events as Oppenheimer saw them and remembered them happening in color versus how Strauss viewed them and how, you know, this more like viewing Oppenheimer from the outside being in black and white. I thought that was a really creative way. And when you know that it really helps you, I think, view the film. Um, And I think the thing that really I think the thing that this movie did, I don't know if people I don't know if people. uh, appreciating this or if I'm wrong on this but what it really did that I don't think history lessons or or even a lot of other World War II era movies have done is it really established the idea of this race against time because they weren't developing this this technology in a vacuum the Nazis were developing this technology and so it was like we have to get this before the Nazis do and uh, you know, clearly, uh, and they illustrate a little bit in the movie that, you know, the, the, what they were hoping is like, we're going to, we can beat the Nazis at this and we'll have it before the Nazis. And we can, you know, they use it on them. You know, I, I think objectively the, the biggest bad guys of world war two and history, probably, uh, you know, the, the, the Nazis and the, I uh, the, that, that idea of like, you know, racing to get this. And at the same time, there's all this, there's all this, uh, uh, turmoil or not really turmoil, but all this pressure on them to keep it secret, to not let the Russians find out. And apparently the real world, uh, the real life story about this is that the Russians did know. I mean, they had they had they had insiders giving them details all along. And supposedly, this is what some of this is what some have said is that Stalin knew before Truman did that this bomb was being developed. So like the 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 idea of like all of this pressure on them to develop this thing to beat the Nazis. Was I think it illustrated that very well this i this race against time when they find out that um, through their intelligence that the Nazis have made a wrong turn that they have they've started following a, a different thread to get this thing achieved and they realize oh gosh we already we already thought about that and figured out it wouldn't work they're going they're doing the wrong thing we have a chance now you know it felt like it felt like even though I knew the Nazis obviously never did I was like oh. God awesome they did it you know so the the race against time was very interesting and i think that helped a lot and then once you get to that moment once you get to that trinity explosion um for things to kind of shift and now it become this this you know how the government was turned against oppenheimer and the scientists and how it was you know this this movie is also a movie about you know uh right wing Uh, leaders coming down on the idea of communism and the red scare and coming down on the idea of of uh, radical left-wing policies you know this is not you know oppenheimer despite what you know people would have i think people want to think was not like some crazy you know super pro-war uh you know right winger he was a a guy with very sympathetic communist ties developing this thing because he was a germanic jew who escaped uh you know Germany the events of World War II or mid the middle of the war, events of world war two. I'm having have time. I'm wrong there, but you know, that that's a very interesting, those are very interesting details that have been kind of lost over time. Uh, and so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought that the story was, was, was well told in that respect.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot I didn't know. Um, I didn't know how much of a race this was, in real life, and I didn't really know how big of the stakes actually were, you know, there, there are moments in this movie where the, the characters are talking about, you know, the idea of what would happen if the Nazis had atomic bombs first or mm-hmm. if the Russians did. And from our standpoint as Americans, we can say, oh, that would be horrifying and would have changed the tide of world history if mm-hmm. either of those countries did it first. And then just the idea of uh, you get too tight you get you like you said david you get two kinds of america in this you get the pro-war root 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 let's go get him, and then 10 to 15 years later uh the government's turned on him completely uh for doing what they asked him to do and it's such uh u.s government thing you know they're the real bad guys in this movie um mm-hmm. they they're they're the meme of eric andre shooting someone and going it's like he he why did you make us make you make that bomb right <laughs> now we're bad <laughs> yeah yeah how dare you make us make you make that bomb no for sure yeah. for
0: sure um, it is uh there's a lot of there's a lot of uh other and then just comparisons the, in history too
2: skull fuckery of robert downey jr's character yeah just trying to wreck lives at the end <laughs> yeah but that so was really good. but it, <clears throat> it, you know it said the, this the, on a TikTok. The, the battles i didn't know about the battles going on yeah the,
0: the 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 um the pettiness and the, the interpersonal uh dynamics of living in a post atomic bomb era and how some of that can just be chalked up to just general Basic human
1: uh, uh, insecurity and insecurity. pettiness. Yes, and go. this yeah. is insecurity. Another... is a great word for it.
0: This it also
1: a... teaches you that the more things don't change, the more things stay the same. You know? Right. Exactly. The more things do change, the more things, whatever you want to say.
2: i are right about that. Change
1: much, but um, everything stays the same as far as pettiness and politics. Faux
2: show. You Oppenheimer know, I, is so intriguing because how do I <laughs> He is responsible for creating at this time, the world's most powerful weapon that was then used to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And there's a big, but to that Mm -hmm. someone else would have done it. And so you have to, at least he internally has to weigh, am I fully responsible for this? Or did I just do it first and are we better off for it? Are we worse off for it? Those are the questions that, that I'm sure he died with. And but I, I, yeah, knowing that it was going to happen one way or another and he just won the race is a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, and then the movie, I don't think personally. Makes it takes a specific stance on glorifying versus condemning. Oppenheimer I think that I don't
2: uh, think so much yeah.
0: I think I, I said it last week similar to the Barbie movie if anything it, it a,
2: leans toward you know a positive portrayal of him but I wouldn't say it's strong
0: I think it leans toward a positive portrayal of how the government treated him you know what I mean in terms of like this guy you know was asked to do something you know more or less pushed to do something right to use his intelligence to do something he did it and then the government made him a bad guy afterwards or was you or at least the, it was manipulated to mark him basic well basically they tried to mark him as a potential traitor you know and like that the 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 insanity of of going through that um is 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 wild I, I think um oh man i was i forgot what i was gonna say next about that but um it happens yeah it was it was uh oh much much so i like i said it last week at the end of the barbie episode much like the barbie episode this movie takes its subject In this case, Oppenheimer and gives you analysis, gives you an indictment and also gives you, you know, some some elements of celebration of, of, you know, what well when like the scientific magnitude that would go into doing this. Right. So like there's a little bit of everything here and you can take from it what you want to take from it, you know, and there's and and so I, I think that if you don't like this movie because of what it that's totally cool, like that, that's okay, And. You know, if you appreciate this movie for any number of reasons, you can appreciate it.
2: Let's talk about the blast scene. um, Oh, boy. Because this is one of the most anticipated scenes of the movie. Nolan insisted that he would not be using CGI um, for this movie. Mm. And this is, you know, the first atomic bomb test in the world. How did... Actually, I want to tell my story first because mine was funny. My experience was funny. I watched this at, uh, in IMAX. It's in a LIMAX, not a real one. Yeah. Not a right. real one. Not a 70mm. But it's full because it's opening weekend. And the blast goes, right? And we're hit with like 30 seconds of silence. When the blast goes and the silence hits, a small child in my theater <laughs> Goes nothing happened, (laughs) (laughs) and then 25 seconds later, got blasted through his seat. Right (laughs) when the sound got right. Did Uh, he scream? I I don't know. I we all were deafened at that point, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But I had to laugh at this little kid who just screamed, Nothing happened, or he didn't scream, but nobody.
0: Nobody yeah. in George Casanza style yelled.
2: That's gotta hurt. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> thank God, nothing like that happened. But um, I had to laugh.
0: For what me, it, again, it was it was quiet, like appreciative silence. Like it's to start off. It was like everybody was like, "Okay, here's this moment that we've been building to. Is this is this recreation of an atomic bomb? And we're all just like very silent." But I didn't like. But it's also like as it's happening, it's very artistically done where you're seeing this bright white on everybody's faces. You're seeing this cloud just kind of billow in silence. And I can just hear my wife next to me just go, not that. Now I was the sound of my phone. Go, go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she just like made a little, just like a little, like, you know, she's just taking it in a little appreciative, like, wow. Like, but yeah. she didn't say wow out loud. She just like, wow, without using her, uh, without saying anything. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, I'm they're with you. Cause like it was very cool. You know, like, I think that, uh, and obviously, yeah, when the sound finally kicks in, it's like, oh, golly. Um, I really, uh, there's a part of, I think, everybody that there's, like, a little bit of, like, genuine or, a, a, you know, genuine curiosity of what it would be like to be in viewing range of an atomic bomb, you know, something probably never, no nervous will ever get to do, right? The idea of sitting there, laying on a little mattress, you know, and it's like everybody, when the light goes, you're going to see the light on the hill. After you see the light, wait like five seconds, then you can turn around and make sure to use these, you know, use this, you know, uh, solar eclipse glasses, you know. The that's what it made me think The anticipation of that, that must have been glasses,
1: so, you know? it must have been so cool. I mean, well, I a, mean, in I, a, I in think that's just a good job of giving you some tension because Mm -hmm. uh, of Josh Peck, honestly. Right. Uh, And his hand, his beautiful, beautiful hovering hand over the button that is supposed to set the bomb off. Uh, The the countdown of that and his hand just shaking across the button. You know, I felt that. It was very tense. It was very, um, even though we know what's going to happen. And I thought that was really a really good build. Um, I think that. I need to see it again. Cause I didn't get to see it in a Dolby or an IMAX. I was in a regular mm. theater. So it kind of, you know, the, the, the boom was not as uh, exciting and stuff, but the, the, oh, the yeah. essence of it, uh, was, was really, uh, it was really impactful. Um, you know, again, the, the deafen or the deafening silence made me think of, uh, star Wars. Yes. When she shoots the ship. The last Jedi. Through, yeah. And, uh, it, it is yeah. silent. And I was like, and then you see it and then you feel with Oppenheimer in that moment I feel like that is the moment where you feel the most with him in that moment of what have I done and look mm-hmm. what I've done and I yeah. think that was a really good connectable mm-hmm. moment for yeah. him and that yeah, character are, and how it was portrayed yeah there are
0: scenes and moments in this movie that I feel like do elicit that emotional response uh, for me but like as like I said earlier as, like as a whole that wasn't it wasn't quite there but that moment for real and then other moments I mean when he finds out I mean yeah but but let's stick with the bomb it was crazy I mean I mean I don't know how I've heard that you know it's a combination of miniature explosions and you know black powder and things like that that they just you know they basically just got a lot of TNT I don't know I really expected when they said they weren't going to use uh, CGI, I was like, I was like, oh, they're going to do like papier mache. Just
2: mm. <laughs> that's how Wes
0: Anderson would do it. He would just have like a, he'd make like a papier mache bomb and, just, and smoke cloud, mushroom cloud, just put it in the distance.
2: Yeah, it, it, this is so funny because of how I heard this, but I was <laughs> listening to a a podcast interview with Patton Oswalt on mm. uh, on Conan, yeah, and Conan,
0: they, and
2: they, they were there talking mostly about you know the slipknots. Uh, <laughs> No, yes. But no, they were talking about the strike and all that stuff. And they right. specifically, for a moment, talked about uh, CGI and stuff in film. And they talked about, or, or Patton was talking about how Christopher Nolan specifically uses a lot of practical effects for his big stuff. And he mentioned in Tenet, when they blow up an actual, you know, commercial airliner, that was cheaper than doing cgi would have been Mm -hmm. uh and and so this idea that cgi is even like the better end financially is just not always true i just thought that was an interesting tidbit it is while we're talking about blowing stuff up it is and now is more credible than me so if he says it i believe it
0: (laughs) no i think that's i think that they worked that out to be true you know i mean uh, um you know In The Dark Knight Rises, Batman uh, flies a nuclear bomb and there's a nuclear bomb explosion in the back, you know, like way off in the distance. And that was CGI. And Nolan was like, this time, don't want to do that. Want to want to do it as close, want to get it as he wants to get as much in camera as he can. And I think he said in the past that he will use, you know. After the fact, some VFX to do touch-ups on certain things in in some movies, but never he he doesn't want the whole thing to just be something not, that didn't happen. Yeah.
2: There's a and difference why, between visual effects and CGI. Yeah.
0: It's one of those things with Christopher Nolan that I would really love to see like a round table that's like him, Steven Spielberg, um, you know, I don't know, uh, Robert Zemeckis, you know, uh Zemeckis. and and, and, and who, who's someone else? I think Wes Anderson tries to do as much in camera as he can. Why not? Like have them have a conversation about the use of, of computer generated effects because like we've seen it used to an amazing degree. And I respect the idea of trying to get it all in camera. But at the same time, maybe, you know, if you can do it, if you can make a brachiosaurus or something like that, like why not try to utilize that technology? I'd love to see a, like, a discussion about that between people who are at the highest level of that field having you know having that discussion
2: yeah um i was a little thrown off that uh, josh peck detonated the first atomic bomb i still see him and wonder where drake is so i wasn't ready for <laughs> peck i no, love I mean, him i love josh peck but I josh was like, peck who is not in this movie
0: josh peck josh quaid or uh, jack uh jack quaid. quaid yeah um there's uh there's also like uh dane DeHaan. You know, who I, I don't think I've seen in years in anything. I don't
2: even know what, who uh, that is.
0: Uh, he was Major Nichols. You remember Nichols? He was the guy who was always had a, like a, a bad look on his face. He was always right right next to Matt Damon. Like, eh, I don't like this guy. I don't like this Oppenheimer guy. Okay, okay. Um, You know, um, in a. Oh, uh, Alden. Alden Ehrenreich. That was what I was trying to think of earlier. You know, there was just like a lot of like young actors in this movie who were there just to like be like a face for a moment to say that won't work. Or Sir, I don't think that's a good idea. Or here's the nuke you wanted. You know, like that's all these guys were there for. And yet it was kind of fun to it was kind of fun to see him pop up. Was not talk- a big fan of the, the Casey Affleck casting.
2: Oh yeah. No. I did roll but, my eyes at that.
0: What I will respect no, nope. is if you're gonna use Casey Affleck, cast him as an asshole. That's what they mm. did.
2: <laughs> He's <typically> I immediately
0: <laughs> there you want to talk about an emotional reaction. I hated that guy immediately, and then he continued yeah. to be and then he, He's kept being
1: a hateful person. So I was like, oh, good. at least not untrue. I did also immediately hate him. Right. And so and when (laughs) he kept when he kept uh, proving to be like a really
0: big jerk, I was like, well, this works. See, you're using Casey Affleck's natural heat to make me dislike it more. It's like when you, uh, you know, Gary, you'll appreciate this. It's like, you know, back in the day, if they wanted to get someone to cheer for a good guy, they put him in a match with uh, put him in a match with Seamus because everybody hated Seamus in like 010. And uh, so, I said 10. Yeah, uh, I want to. I want to. That I like to do.
2: I want to talk briefly about Einstein, who does not yes, Who to yeah. me always feels like a cameo of uh, like a. I don't know. He doesn't feel like he belongs somehow, even though he right. was there.
1: Yeah, uh, Einstein and, feels and, like a fictional character. He's not does. a real human being. I Man, managed to fix the uh, Einstein
2: uh they seemingly brought the real one back to life because as far as i know that is albert <laughs> einstein uh the actor who portrayed him his name is tom conti uh i don't know who he is never heard of him he's been in like almost nothing of note that he wasn't uh like an extra in <laughs> like he was uh, in the dark knight rises as prisoner
0: yeah he was in paddington was not too as,
2: yeah as a judge um
0: yeah and then he gets to be
2: einstein i don't know i thought he was great though he was really he had a lot of presence when he was on screen some i don't know he he did make einstein feel larger than life yeah and he had such a great moment that he wasn't even really necessarily a strong part in but at the end when it's finally revealed what Oppenheimer said to Einstein? Like, I don't, uh, it moved me. <laughs> I wanted to say it blew my mind. It didn't blow my mind, but I was like, but, oh, oh. I forgot about that and now I'm back to it.
0: But it was this great moment where it is this revelation. And I think Alden gives the gives one of the lines where he says, maybe they were talking about something more important than you, right? Because uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character basically sabotaged uh Oppenheimer for Louis Strauss basically sabotage Oppenheimer for this perceived slight that he had turned Einstein against him had turned the scientific community against him so in in return Strauss turned the US government against Oppenheimer and it perfectly encapsulates this idea of mutually assured destruction that you know because I believe you are going to do it first I'm going to get you before you get me and by you know but it's all in his head you know, it's all, and that's what it's always going to be. Anytime, if 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 nuclear holocaust ever goes off, if we just start, it's going to because we think this is about to happen. We think we have right. to make the first move, and it's such right. an interesting
1: way of encapsulating that idea. I think the biggest success of this movie, again, is that it gets you talking about like big conversations in some way, shape or form. You know, whether it's would you build it? Would you drop it? Uh, ways and pros and cons. Was it worth it? Um, who's That'd right? Who's from? From? Government's always bad. Don't forget that. <laughs> Government's always bad in certain situations, but don't necessarily right. trust them. But also don't believe the overly conspiracy theories. But then sometimes it turns out to be true. There's a lay You know, you can go a bunch of different ways after walking out of this movie. Woo. Yeah, My because, uh, question,
2: yeah. I still have yeah. a couple things I want to get to, but we do need to start to wrap up the movie conversation. But I, st- why couldn't they drop it on the coast and make it a warning shot? That still is like, to me, when it was presented, I thought, yeah, that seems like uh, the obvious choice. But, yeah, but, I mean, but, no, I, I, I agree, I think. And then mm, when they avoided Kyoto just because it is the vacation spot, yeah. Of, a, of a wealthy american politician i so, fully believe that
0: <laughs> so fun detail there you so fun detail the scene that that portrays that that whole scene is taken from it is it's a it's a matter of public record and it was you know un, unclassified decades ago right so you like you can read and it's the exact it's, it's everything everybody said in that room is properly attributed except that line that one that line is added because uh nolan through his research or something found out that that was a true detail that he dad, that he had previously honeymooned or a uh, vacation in Kyoto. And he was like, I'm going to throw that in there because it is this sort of like very, because everything else about that scene is very like, it's very, ba- it's very, it's very, it's very, it's very military. You know, it's very, this would be the best option here. Well, I think this, well, I think that, and that little thing at the end is like one little human detail, one little human uh, f- uh, uh, element of let's not do that and he you know he chuckles about it you know it's very like you know it, so it, it adds that level of like oh these guys really were but just suckers like i don't mm-hmm. like these dudes at all um but yeah i mean i i agree with you josh why not drop it you know in the japanese ocean and be like you want this somewhere closer or maybe find the least populated area in japan you can find uh or something and where it's going to do the least uh you know
2: well that was the thing is they said do something that- like that There were no military targets that were big enough to make enough damage. They wanted more damage.
0: Right. So it's, you know, it is a, uh, I mean, honestly, it's a daunting idea to be presented with, especially, you know, like for, for many of them, I, I, I kind of wonder they had video back then. They recorded everything, obviously, but like how many of them actually knew like just how bad this was going to be. And like, What was the, you know, like they kind of, they don't really illustrate how many people really knew what we were about to do. Um,
2: Right, because nobody did.
0: You know, like, and they talked about warning, like sending Japan, you know, like dropping flyers and warning people, get out, you know, get out uh, because this is going to be really bad. And I don't know, you know, it's such a daunting idea to even be presented with.
2: Let me ask you both this question that somebody else asked me after seeing it that I didn't even think about at the time. Do you think the movie should or should not have included some kind of depiction of the destruction and the human toll. Uh, I don't
0: personally okay. um, because again, most of it is from Oppenheimer's point of view. And since he didn't witness that event, it, you know, it wouldn't be seen now if you wanted to, you would, you would have to per- portray it from someone else's point of view. Right. But I also think that like we don't need it. Like we don't need, we know what happened in that regard. Like all of this other stuff is the details people don't know. Everybody has seen photos for decades of what the devastation looked like. And I think it would have been almost too it. I think it would have been too, I, I don't know uglier grim maybe to be like you know and hey now it's gone off and isn't that just, you know like look at this look at that look at and and i thought that like when oppenheimer was visualizing what happened when he was like visualizing corp like burnt corpses in his at his feet and when he was seeing people's faces melting around him and stuff like that i kind of thought that to me that expressed that idea in a way that maybe would have worked better than actually watching this bomb drop on Japan. Um, But but, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I I didn't need to see the actual drop on Hiroshima.
1: I agree with you overall, David. Um, But I'll play a devil's advocate and say that I think that it is a piece of history and that this movie is historic to the record. And so I Mm -hmm. think that, again, sometimes in this world we live in, people don't necessarily believe the facts that are in front of their faces. And so sometimes you do need to see the ugly everything that's kind of really going on and so having played just a quick devil's advocate um i uh don't think that you need it uh agreed that you see enough of uh, the uh i don't know the, the ghost that he's kind of haunted with throughout the movie and i think they did that too
2: well yeah, I don't think either of you are wrong. Um, and I don't even think the devil's advocate perspective is wrong. I, too, don't feel like I needed it. I do feel like the visuals that um, Oppenheimer saw of the flaking skin and whatnot was representative of that. Uh, and I also just feel, but I also feel that, uh, you know, sometimes we, even when we understand That this happened we tend to forget the magnitude of things like this um or we attribute it to entertainment because Uh we see we see it unfold through so much entertainment that i think i think sometimes we need a reminder that what happened at that time frame happened for real Mm-hmm. It, they really thought they might destroy the world. Like, right. They really thought that I, like, I need people to understand <laughs> yes. they actually thought they might destroy the world. That kind of thing doesn't happen and, anymore. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. I never even, I don't think I've ever realized that that was even like something they thought about.
2: Right. That, For that to even be a real when possibility.
0: They ex- when they explained it, I was like,
2: Oh,
0: Oh, okay. Like that sounds plausible and technically it is but it, not it, they, i think they've discovered since that it wouldn't be right possible they, with what but they didn't they know they were doing uh, yeah, they thought the that problem.
2: it was entirely possible that the bomb would ignite the oxygen in the atmosphere and that does sound mm-hmm. plausible to me mm-hmm. so i do think it's good to remember that those things can happen
0: but also i i think i think that because of the, what because this is because this is a film right i think there would be a feel I think it's possible to think there would be a feeling that if you showed the bombing of Japan, that that was being used for inter No, I agree I with that,
2: that, that, that too. I think the, the, that's the, why the, this it, was the right
0: the, seeing the Trinity explosion is kind of entertainment itself because that real footage does exist and it is, you know, awesome and awful in its in its in its uh depiction of what's you know what's happening. And I think you get that here too and you can be in awe of the magnitude <laughs> Excuse me, of this explosion, but to actually see it hitting Japan would feel like we were all enjoying it again. Like you know, like we'd like, oh, we're going to drop the bomb again. Here we go, right? And like, I, I think that that's that's a that, that's a risky run if you show it in that in that in that way.
2: Yeah, uh, to light to lighten up the mood a little bit as as we steer to the end of this, I just have to say the most. Intim- intimidating scene in this movie and the most intimidating person to me in this movie was uh, Florence Pugh <laughs> making and hide your kids if you're listening if they listen to this uh, when Florence Pugh made him read the I am become death quote while she was on top of him in mm-hmm. a carnal manner mm-hmm. uh, that I was like oh she's scary right yeah it was and it not was... how I expected to hear him say that quote So, I, 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 this is why
0: I had to tell my mom nervous chuckles a little bit. My mom, I told her I went, I was like, we went to Oppenheimer. She goes, Oh, how was it? She was like, really interested. Right. And I was like, Oh, it was great. I don't think you'd like it. And she looked at me like, Why would you say that? (laughs) You know, like, do you know how annoying that is the sentence? Oh, it was great. You wouldn't like it. Yeah. What does that mean? I was like, (laughs) Well, there's like two primary women in the movie, and one of them is topless for like 90% of the time she's on screen. And I don't feel like that's my mom's vibe at all. Uh, in fact, I know it's not my mom's vibe at all, but Florence Pugh was, uh, she commanded this, every scene she was in, I think all four of them. And, uh, and Emily Blunt was also really good in this movie. She has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which you can pull out if that, if you want, if you're, if you're someone who is critical of J. Robert Oppenheimer, pull out this quote from Emily Blunt, where she says, you don't get to commit a sin and then have everyone pity you. Like it was this. Um, she, she, I mean, every scene she's in, she brings it. I wish she was in a movie more. I wish we did get more of her specific relationship with J. Robert Oppenheimer, because she is this one, she's a great actress. And two, it's a really interesting role of being the wife of this man. Like, how do you, you know, how does she handle all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: I want to, I want to praise her as well. Um, I feel like it's this thing though, that, you know, again, Christopher Nolan movies, not necessarily known for a strong female character. Not at all. So, you know, again, that that is one critique that I think continues here is while they are on screen and they do command the screen when they are there, you know, you don't get much from them. Emily Blunt no. does a great job and she's in this longer than Florence Pugh and Florence Pugh does a great job. And they're both again, they do stand out. There's just not much no. else there for no, them or any other women in this movie, really.
0: You're 100 percent right. Nolan has never been very good at writing women. Um you know, to be full characters, most of the time they are wives who get killed or moms that get killed, or they are some variation of a person who's there just literally to be a prop for the guy she's with, you know, and that is an unfortunate element. It's up there with my, uh, you know, dream, my dream, I just want to see what it looks like uh, movies for directors, like I want, I want a. I want an Evil Dead style horror movie from Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I want, I want a kid's movie from Quentin Tarantino and I want a female-led film by Christopher Nolan just to see what it looks like because they might all be terrible. But I just want to see what those look like. Um, Anyway, uh, Josh, before we wrap up, I do want to praise one other person who we haven't talked about too much, which is Matt Damon because he was great. He was a breath of fresh air as soon as he came in.
2: Um, Matt Damon has been quietly killing in the background for a while now. We mm -hmm. said this in air.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Or no, yeah. we didn't
2: because we didn't cover air. But we said it privately behind the scenes. We about it in our it's, mid-year review. We did okay. talk about oh, it in that. You're right. Reason. You're right. That's true. Um, uh, yeah, he is, he is. really good in this. I, I don't I, have. There's no one who's not good in this. No,
0: I I Agreed. loved Everyone's the dynamic right. between both. I thought he and Killian had great chemistry, and then his character and it, like the character of of Les, of General Groves and Oppenheimer had a very interesting chemistry where they were very diametrically opposed to each other in terms of their philosophy, in terms of their uh, just general attitudes and demeanor. And yet they developed a weird respect for each other. Like, you know, um, I I thought that his final moment, spoiler alert, I thought his final moment, I think we see him in the movie where he talks about, they ask him, would you Oppenheimer now based on this guy on these guidelines? And he honestly says no. And then there's a beat and he goes, but to be honest, I wouldn't have hired anybody that we like. I, I, I There's nobody who would meet these qualifications today. Um, right. and I think that was a very good like he's he's being honest, but he's being fully honest. And Oppenheimer respects that. I think that's
1: that's really cool.
2: Right. It's because right. he they hit him with some more U.S. government bullshit about, bullshit. oh, how dare you not follow the guidelines that didn't exist back then? Right. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> they frustrate me it's true it's true
0: um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of different topics that you could take out of this um the endless you know we didn't even really get into the the uh native american element of this story uh the indigenous people that were living near los alamos are basically forced off their land for this project to happen that's another story and, and many of
1: them about. who were killed whenever this the test bomb was detonated well, it's been and, discovered over time that i believe that uh, i don't know the number or anything but some native americans had died uh because well, because
0: yeah, of the because of the residual radiation from it yeah um but also yeah i mean this movie you know it it isn't it isn't you know it has a lot to talk about a lot of different stories you can bring out of it good and bad you know so it's a you know and i think that uh, you hopefully so many people want to see these stories hopefully it sparks a maybe a, a bigger analyzation of the period of world war ii outside of the theater of war because that's that's what nah. almost every world war ii film has been nah.
2: have to read a book for that that's what most
0: world war ii movies have Uh, been they've been about the the actual war being fought and not about the things happening
2: no (laughs) what did my president say i believe him um oh gee all right that's oppenheimer let's uh shift into uh this movie's uh historic box office hall fresh after talking about barbie's historic box office hall last weekend
0: yeah yeah do you want a little I'll give a little update about Barbie too if yeah, you like, min, uh, mini a
2: Barbie update would be good for the Barbenheimer fans
0: all right we'll lead off with uh we'll lead off with Oppenheimer itself so the movie uh, Oppenheimer opened to, in the number two spot eighty two point four million dollars which is a very solid very solid opening uh 35 million of that were in IMAX just in IMAX movies uh IMAX theaters it opened at 98 million internationally and 180 million worldwide. Um I don't normally do this but I'll throw some I'll throw week 2 at you as well just because that's where we are right now, we're in week 2. And uh, the estimates right now is that Oppenheimer's second weekend it drops 44% to 46.2 million just behind Barbie at 93 million, which is a very high second weekend, not the highest, but uh, Josh you asked earlier about second weekends and uh from Gitesh. <clears throat> from Gitesh panja who i've i've had you uh i've turned i i uh, we both follow uh god like i hate i hate x get off it of okay well i can't read that stat anymore cuz x want me to verify my phone number <laughs> Uh, I don't see his work
2: anymore it, because I it, don't use that app.
0: I know. I need him to go to threads, man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Barbie, like the seventh highest second weekend ever, I believe, was the, was the number. Um, also opening this weekend was Haunted Mansion at 24.2. I found a freedom still out there. Did you see it? Did you see, go see Haunted Mansion? No, I
2: just have the, the least amount of desire in the world, and I don't even know who at Disney was like, let's try that again. <laughs>
0: that
2: was oh, a forceful
0: I, I'm I'm interested to go see it, but I, I, I unfortunately I'm going to wait probably till till later this week. I just uh, felt then, like
2: it needed to be knocked down a peg. That's all. <laughs>
0: well, that does. It's already been knocked down a peg. It only opened twenty four point two first million.
2: One, nobody wants that friggin' movie.
0: Oh man, that's too <laughs> don't bad. disagree I don't with that. I I support anything with Lakeith Stanfield in it. So wanna, I I like that Lakeith. not yeah, He's got
1: a great cast. It does have a great cast.
0: Yeah, and uh, and then number five is uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning part two or part one with a uh, 10.5 point 2.7 um that's for this here the second weekend um uh, uh, here's some other little stats for you it is the uh, highest rated r-rated opening of 2023 so far it's the 11th highest r-rated opening of all time which is really which is pretty big because um that's been a that's been a category the r-rated films that has really changed over the last i would say 10 years um because it is the second highest rated non-ip r-rated opening um most of them are like Deadpool Logan you know some other recent like you know superhero related R rated films um so it's a, it's number 2 that's not based on something number 1 is obviously Passion of the Christ and i would say that uh, Jesus has a slightly bigger built in audience than Oppenheimer um, it's the 16th biggest open ever in july it's the third highest open for Nolan's career only behind um only behind The Dark Knight The Dark Knight Rises and um i believe what was the other one? Uh oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Third highest opening. If oh Pine, Dark Knight, Dark Knight rises. That's the two. Anyway, um, this this is a really interesting stat coming off of today. Oppenheimer is the first R-rated film to gross $10 million in 10 consecutive days. 10 million or more in 10 consecutive consecutive days. And uh that's that's a pretty big like that's a that's actually a pretty interesting deal. Um, because most of the time R-rated movies, they don't you know, they don't really do that, and it's the only one to ever do it. Like even all those other movies I just named. Um, yeah. If if the legs hold out, and if the Barbenheimer craze continues, this may pass the Dark Knight as Nolan's best film in the United States. Um, uh, globally, we'll have to see uh, if it if it can do it. Um, <clears throat> and now I'll give you a couple of little uh, stats that came from the other from the other week. Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer together, the Barbenheimer effect led to the uh led to the uh fourth i believe highest oh yeah the fourth best overall box office weekend in history um mm-hmm. the only other movies the, the other weekends that were ahead of that were the weekend that Avengers Endgame came out the weekend Avengers Infinity War came out and the weekend Star Wars The Force Awakens came out so Barbenheimer manages to get up there in the neck of the woods with those big films. And you remember all of those films had like tremendously like long, like years in the making kind of things going on. So just amazing. Um, currently Oppenheimer sits at 174 in the, the U S 220 million overseas and 400 million worldwide. It's going to keep climbing. It's going to be, it's currently the ninth biggest movie of the year. Barbie is currently the third biggest movie of the year. Um, and it will very, very quickly, I'm sorry, fourth biggest movie of the year. It's going to pass uh, Guardians of the Galaxy tomorrow. It's going to pass Spider-Man Across the Spider Verse by Tuesday, and then it's got a little bit of a walk, and it'll eventually. I I guarantee. I think it's going to pass Super Mario Brothers to be the number one movie of the year. And I'd be surprised if anything beats it. I'd be genuinely surprised say, if anything beats it.
1: Can I just say, I I would like the movie theaters to take notice of marketing. Mm-hmm. I understand. That The Mattel and the Barbie marketing team has billions and millions and trillions of dollars that they want to just, you know, throw stuff and That's fine. But I think that this shows that counter-programming can work together rather than be so dang divisive. And I think I, that if you can get a group of people interested in going to your movies, it shows long-term longevity hmm. because people were going to see them both with a abundance of people it was uh couples going together it was mm. friends going together it was a wide swath but the point was people wanted to see them both right but even they if they, did, they would not normally have interest and in it would be like barbie over here oppenheimer over here and people would be like oh who are you gonna go see no it's right you're gonna go see, gonna both. see both and that's they, what you should learn from this movie theater's when yeah. that less you know what that makes you more money you're making less movies you can pay people more and mm-hmm. oh my god then the strike in maybe stop yeah. being yeah. dicks the, it the, all started
0: the, as a as an internet realization that these movies were coming out on the same day and then it just built and then it slowly well, built a, in a fun way um i think it's interesting you're right garrett i at no point during this whole thing ever saw these movies as competing with each other i viewed them as like weird companion pieces. That really aren't. They aren't companions. One's from Universal. One's from Warner Brothers. They're not together. They just. They just. People realize these two movies that could not be more different are coming out on the same right. day. And it was just like they. we have to see them both together. Yes, right? but. I understand but, the but. situation is extreme. But, Huge yeah. but.
2: And this is where my cynicism has to come in. This was done by fans on accident. The second right. a movie theater tries to do it, it's going to be hello, fellow kids. Come yes. see Wonka, Wonka I, Napoleon. And it's I, like, I, don't I, try. I totally agree with you. It.
0: I totally agree with you. There will be, I mean, you can't, they they will see this. There will be some attempt that Warner Brothers or or Universal or Paramount will look ahead and they'll say, who's got a really dramatic, like, male-centric film coming out that uh, we can make, we can put our, our big female-driven movie up against. And it will not work. And try to do that. Try. And it's not Second gonna, they no, try,
2: it won't work.
0: There may be a little bit of like fans trying to make it happen because they just want this again. There will be some people mm-hmm. who want it again. Uh, check out Saw Patrol, but we will. I, I I just think it's probably not going to work.
1: No, Jared, I don't. I know don't know if you disagree. Saw about Saw Patrol or not? No, but I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> and we can talk about it off mic because that seems like it would be sad for the kids. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I would say is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a big marketing thing. My main focus is more on if actors and stuff get behind it and say, hey, yeah. And and they do have to be projects that people need to have some kind of interest in. You know, it can't be a random weekend at the box office trying to get you to go see some mediocre movies. They need to be good movies. But I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be an incentive to get people to go to the movie theaters in general. And that's kind of more what I'm taking away is – Uh, the actors of Mission Impossible, of uh, Barbie, of Oppenheimer were all kind of work, even though it did kind of spur something, it showed that if you just say, hey, these really cool projects are coming out, go see this, go see this. You don't have to just go see my movie. There's a whole bunch of programming out there that you can go see in addition to this this weekend. It doesn't have to be a me versus them to the top of the box office. It can be, hey – Let's try to get to the top three and make buku's of money. I think mm. that's a winning situation for everyone there. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree yeah. with
2: that, or I don't disagree with that. I do think that. <laughs> don't, <laughs> I don't agree with it. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I think. Yeah. I think that that especially A list actors should should every week it's your job to get people to like the artists, whether you're in a movie or not. Yeah, um, I mean, I it, do by, think that
0: it is interesting. By all, by all, uh, uh, what what appears clear is that Barbie and Oppenheimer both made more because of each other. Yes. Because people were interested in just the the idea that this would even happen, that these two movies would be uh, in at the same weekend. Both feel like they could have dominated a weekend. Instead, they came out together, and people were just so down
2: with the idea. Yes, and the second week numbers show that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, People are into it in record ways. So, Well, and some
0: people... Some people probably saw, I mean, there were people like me and Josh who did a double feature day, but there are people who probably saw, like Garrett, like saw Barbie first and then came back around and saw Oppenheimer mm-hmm. the following week or saw Oppenheimer first, come back. I, I know
2: people who have seen both of these more than once already. Yeah. Crazy people. The Garrett excluded, obviously. Oppenheimer, maybe. He's I no would see man. Barbie again easily because it was short.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oppenheimer is one of those ones where I'll watch it when it comes out on physical and watch it right. at home. Like I like I I was like oh I can't wait to rewatch the Batman. Two years later, I finally rewatched the Batman.
2: Yeah, I don't think I have rewatched it. Um, on that note, though, let's uh, go to the Letterbox game.
0: Now, I have already seen the score, I believe. So I oh. I may have to run the game this week.
2: If you're accusing yourself, neither of us will be upset, uh, Garrett. I don't. You're not muted, but we Garrett, lost your sound.
0: Uh oh, Garrett is muted. I have him muted there. Oh. Yes. Okay. It is still the same. I just checked it. It is still the same. So I will, I'll run the game this week, Josh, if that, okay. if that's okay with you.
2: That's fine. I do have some reviews I'll read through as soon as okay. uh, we're ready, but then go, I, go will, ahead, Josh. I will hand it to you. Um, we got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hype in the letterbox reviews for this movie. A lot, it's it, Both of these movies have gotten a lot of attention in the reviews. A lot of likes. We had a lot of five-star reviews for Oppenheimer. Five stars. Now I have become deaf. Destroyer of ears. Uh, <laughs> yeah, five stars. Then. Nobody told him to stop in <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. A ridiculous achievement in filmmaking. Dot, dot, dot. Ludwig Goranson put his entire nutsack into that score.
0: <laughs> yes, Ludwig. We didn't mention he is the new Hans Zimmer for Chris Nolan. Like he's been on. He's barked on the last few projects.
2: Five stars. Watching this after I just watched Barbie. Call me atomic blonde. I like that one. There you go. Uh, And then I'm going to end on this one. Four and a half stars. Now I am become happy. Enjoyer of films. Oh, that's good. There you go. That's a nice, that one's one's nicer. Yeah. So now I'll I'll give it to you to run the game since you were spoiled.
0: All right, guys. Um, Yeah. The dumbest way too. I just clicked on it and it wasn't even thinking about it. Anyway. um, What do you think the letterboxed community which is made up of many people, critics, fans, people who make jokes, people who make serious reviews. What do you think they have rated Christopher Nolan's 12th directorial film in the year well, 2023?
2: Well, if I remember right, Barbie was like 4.2. So Barbie I got to like think we're in that same realm. Let me see. If this not a, a, a if not a, t- a teensy bit higher. We know how high, hard it is to get higher on Letterboxd, but...
0: Uh, Barbie is, is is currently a four point
2: one now. I, okay, I think it was a four point two when we uh, reviewed it. So for that reason, I'm going to pick four point two.
0: Yeah, four point two from Josh. Four and a half.
1: Ooh. Four and a half. Full
2: four point five. You know,
1: I think I kind of want you that, to be okay, right. You gotta you gotta go with the Letterbox community, right? I mean, like they're film people. They they might yes. be fun, but they appreciate a film, and I think that the Oppenheimer. Well, I don't know. I think they're both high. but
0: Yeah, the the film bro uh, is very much a a, a fan of Christopher Nolan. uh, And many film snobs appreciate Christopher Nolan, although some would tell you he's not even that good. So where will it fall? Well, I can gladly say, gentlemen, that I'm not the winner this week because I already saw And the winner is someone who really needed a win.
2: Both of us really needed a win. It's Garrett.
0: okay it wins because the final score is 4.4 4. oh
2: dang uh, okay. okay by
0: one you were too high but like honestly that. both of you guys are in totally the right spot uh currently a 4.4 with two hundred and thirty nine thousand five five star reviews uh the uh look at this guys i, I uh, uh, maybe we can i don't know superimpose this in the video look at the uh look at the arc of the graph wow see that boom, boom, i mean boom, boom, I, boom, 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 you might need boom, boom, boom. to flip it for yourself But it's just like it's all there's very few, very few low reviews. In fact, uh, there are actually there's one point one thousand half star reviews. That's interesting. Uh, Anyway, Garrett, you win this week. So why don't you tell us what your rating is? I'll add you to
1: the list here. You know, I just got out of it as of this recording not too long ago. Uh, It's fresh in my mind. It's a deep thinker. Again, it's not necessarily my favorite Nolan film. But I think that the essence is there. And I agree with the Letterbox community pretty much. It's four and a half for me. Uh,
2: um, I will share that.
1: Oh, go ahead, Josh.
2: Oh, well, I, no, oh. you know, you're going to share it. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, I share that sentiment. It's also a four and a half from me as well. It's not my favorite Nolan movie ever, but it was very well done. And some great performances. I hope Robert Downey Jr. gets the best supporting actor uh, or something. So four and a half, <laughs> fantastic film, top five Nolan movie.
2: It's a five star for me. Five stars from Josh. Dropping it. Don't make me pick between Barbie and Oppie. I can't. People I, have asked which was better. I say, I don't know. I don't, I don't view them as was, competing. It was an eight hour long movie. I don't know what you're talking about. I watched one eight hour long movie. A really weird fifth act. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, five stars for me. Two, four Four and a half stars for both of you. I think that's probably like 4.75 or something. Pretty good, pretty good, on par with the Letterboxd
0: community. Very close to what the Letterboxd has.
2: Um, I gotta be honest.
0: I thought Josh was gonna give the lowest review of it, the lowest rating of us.
2: Oh no! I I don't know. I don't know why. I don't either. I don't either. I don't
0: know. Um, I don't know. You strike me as a four star guy. uh,
2: Not on this one. Not on this one. Uh, That ends our bop, uh, boppenheimer <laughs> our, <laughs> that I like works that. too it works too <laughs> boppenheimer barbenheimer whatever you want to call it that ends our barbenheimer uh special two two yes. two weeks of of two of the hottest movies of the year mm-hmm. uh what a fun time to watch movies that's all i can say uh, we'll be back next week with more fun stuff and we'll see you all then Find us online at so many sequels.com there. You can find links to all of our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the good ones. Reds. Yeah. We don't have a button for that yet though, but you can find us there whenever it's a full app, I guess. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.